Well, hello there. You are indeed listening to FBI 94.5 and you have been listening to Ed Kirkwood all morning, keeping you company with his dulcet tones and good tunes. So now I'm here with my slightly more diseased tones, which hopefully that's okay by you. And uh, I'm here with a guest. So on Out of the Box today, my guest is a big old word nerd. Or to put it more politely, she is Gemma O'Brien, artist, hand letterer, typographer. Gemma has been around the world talking type and making word, words look good for people like you know, Kieran Sider, Volcom, Qantas, The New York Times and Angus and Julia Stone. In the early days, Gemma documented her obsession on a Tumblr called For the Love of Type, where she happily posted her creations and cool typographic finds under the pseudonym Mrs. Eves. But then some well-known German typographer found her blog and was just outraged, like furious at what she was doing with words. Anyway, his outrage kind of helped rocket Gemma into prominence. And between then and now, Gemma has in all likelihood become better known than her, her original namesake, Mrs. Eves. Gemma, welcome. Thanks, Ash. Hi. <laughs> Could I ask, who is Mrs. Eves? Mrs. Eves, well, anybody who's a type nerd would, well, actually anybody would know the font Baskerville. So John Baskerville was a type designer back in the 18th century and Mrs. Eves, Sarah Eves was his housewife and he fell in love with his housewife. When his wife passed away, they had a love affair and the story goes that she used to print his types after he died. So she was considered one of the first women in typography world, which is very male-dominated back in that time. Um, so she's kind of like this mythical typography creature whose name I kind of took on <laughs> when I became obsessed with type. Cool. <laughs> the kind of stories that most people wouldn't really get interested in. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a typography nerd, yes, and you spend a lot of time in your studio listening to music and mm -hmm. doing your work. So we've got a track now to take from Big Scary. What, what one do we have here? Uh, Long Worry. And why? Well... Often when I work, sometimes it's three or four in the morning, don't want to wake up my housemates, needs to be like mellow tune, um, and I need something that I put on repeat, so I listen to it literally 20 times in a row, and this is one of those tracks that's been noted on my friends, Big Scary, Big Scary, Big Scary, on my Spotify feed, so yeah. <laughs> and FBI 94.5, my guest today, Gemma O'Brien. Thank you. 
jagged edge I crushed upon Now I'm drowning Trying to catch a glimpse of Big scary. Not big or scary at all. <laughs> Little and lovely and nice and brought in by my guest today, Gemma O'Brien. The track was called Long Worry. And Gemma O'Brien, as I mentioned before, is a letter fiend, a word fiend, a word nerd. I don't know. It seems like typography types are in a bit of a cult to me. Just as <laughs> just from a quick look on the internet, all of the in-jokes, all of the kind of, you know, the, the insider knowledge. Do you think that typography people, like people who are into it, are very much similar people? Uh, ooh. I, <laughs> I, I want to say yes, but at the same time, when I first got into typography, everyone who I saw in the typography world were like, I don't want to say really nerdy because I'm really nerdy, but, you know, like... It's a, it's a certain personality type, which I don't necessarily fit into that category. Often older men were type design. It was male-dominated industry. Um, and I'm like this young, hyperactive girl. So I probably don't fit the initial stereotype of typography. But um, it's definitely got a cultish status when I, you know, it's just grown in the last 10 years. Though. I think it's become a bit more mainstream. Okay, so it's become a bit less elite, you'd say? Yeah. Definitely. And so speaking of speaking of being dominated by older guys, well, that sounded really bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking about a male-dominated industry, so your your actual original kind of big break, I guess, mm-hmm. was when you were studying at Kofa. You had a project and it was called Right Here, Right Now. And yep. just, just quickly, what was that about? Uh, well, it was a second year graphics project. It was very art school. I wrote all over my body in hand lettering. It was like an anti-graffiti campaign. Um, <laughs> I don't get how the two are so related. cringe now, yeah. Um, but, you know, scantily clad girl covers her body in lettering. Um, it's going to do its rounds on the internet. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so basically the project was part of all of my other uni projects on the For Love of Type blog and was spotted by 
uh, the marketing manager of Font Shop in Germany and was essentially the big break in the typography world for me. So, so who is this guy? Who is Jürgen this guy? And, oh, he's a great. Like, you know, okay. I've still, I mean, I'm actually speaking at the same conference that I spoke at when I was 21 this year over in Berlin. So, um, yeah, so he basically ran the German design blog kind of commenting on what was happening on the industry and... So as ba- as much it's kind of like that any bad publicity is good publicity type rule which what really happened and yeah and his publicity wasn't so good then. No, well, so he he wrote a blog post basically criticizing who is this Mrs. Eves, this anonymous person like from Australia, and you know, and Australia didn't have a big typography presence in the rest of the world. It wasn't like, you know, Europe and America have this big printing history and there's a real heritage of a typographic style, whereas Australia was kind of new. And so I think that that element really added to the mystery. Um, and so the outrage, maybe. Yes, the outrage. <laughs> but a lot of the people in the German design community disagreed with the criticisms that we had of the blog, which was why he then kind of turned around and said, look, come over and speak at our conference and tell us about what's happening over there in Australia. So what was what was this article actually about? Like, what was it well, called? the title of the um, article was Amateur Designer and Have Sex mit Buchstaben, which <laughs> translates to Amateur Designer Has Sex with Letters. Uh, so, you know, pretty cutting stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And so how did you figure out the the uh, translation? Translation. Well, I actually got an email from another German designer saying, hey, you don't know me, um, but I follow your blog and I thought you might be interested in reading this translation. So, you know, at the time I was 20, 20 19, 20 years old in this tiny little studio at uni just doing crazy projects thinking nobody was even watching what I was doing, let alone the marketing manager of one of the biggest font suppliers in the world. So it was all a very strange series of events, but definitely one that shaped my career. Yeah, and then you were flown over to Berlin. Yep. Isn't that crazy? And you were, tw- were you 21 at the time? I was time? 21, yeah. I was still in my third year of uni at the time. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Certainly is. <laughs> so when you got there, were you kind of like kindred spirits or were you like, you people are weird? No, Somewhere I mean, in the middle. German <laughs> German people, they, I mean, they don't have the same sense of humour, obviously, as Australians, so I was considered to be a very laid-back um, type personality, but... You know, it's great because there's a big, really big design community. So that was basically a whole entire conference, a thousand people who were all interested in typography. So for me, being this kind of lone student that felt a bit isolated in the typography world over in Australia, it was awesome to be surrounded by so many people that like knew what it was about. So we're going to chuck on a track from when you were a, y- a wee young thing and we'll hear <laughs> a bit more about why when we come back from this, it's happening. We've got Dr. Worm on your it's radio. Happening. They might be giants. And out of the box, FBI. When I 
Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real worm. I am an actual worm. I live like a worm, and I like to play the drums. I think I'm getting good, but I can never criticism. I'll show you. Cutest song of all time <laughs> by They Might Be Giants. Brought in by my guest on Out of the Box today. It's Gemma O'Brien, typographer, letter lady. And you you brought that in because of a certain incident when you were younger. Yes, yes. yes. Well, I was, it was the 90s. I was probably, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12. And I used to go to art class every Thursday night with my friend Anna Pritchard. And it was her birthday. And we both were obsessed with this song at the time, um, as you would be. It's such a cool song. Um, (laughs) And so for her birthday present, I made a CD that I burnt with Dr. Worm on it 10 times in a row. And then when mum picked us up from art class, I said, we're not getting you home until we've listened to the whole CD. So we drove around the suburbs of Brisbane. (laughs) And listen to Dr. Worm ten times in a row. Oh my god. I still know all the words. That is so sweet. <laughs> Tell me if you think I'm getting better on the drums. Uh, He's not a real doctor. <laughs> but he is an actual one. Exactly. It's absurd and it's fantastic. So you are from Brisbane originally. When did you move to Sydney? I moved to Sydney, I think oh, I was about eighteen. Okay. So coming on ten years. At that time Sydney. had you kind of as of yet, got an obsession with the way in which words look. I actually hadn't. I, When I was in Brisbane, I studied law when I finished school, dropped out of law school, did one year of design in Brisbane and then moved to Sydney. And it, was, it wasn't until my, I think, second year at COFA that I really became obsessed with typography after using the letterpress studio, so printing type by hand. Yeah. And then it was, the rest is so history. That was the obsession. And so when you, when you go around Sydney... Where, you know, for example, the other night I was driving back from, well, I, don't, I wasn't driving, I was a passenger, mm. so it was safe. I was mm-hmm. looking out the window, mm-hmm. looking all the way down Parramatta Road at all of the amazing signs that are on, the, uh, on yeah. Parramatta. Weird fonts, just yes. unexpected yep. things, yep. really, really emphatic designs. Where in Sydney do you get really excited about the signage? And well, the, and the I words? guess, you know, it's often linked to the history of a place. So, like, if you go around the rocks, you'll see lots of old kind of ghost signs, like a uh, kind of coming through they've worn away and you'll kind of see a few letters or in the city if you look up usually if you look at the top of buildings you can kind of find some um, lingering um, sign painted words and that sort of thing Um, but yeah Parramatta Road is awesome lots of old shops anything that's got a bit of history is usually quite got quirky or interesting typography cool so if it's like hand done and stuff like that yeah (laughs) Um, we've got a track from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds now you went and saw Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds live, yes. right? Yes, yeah. How were they? Amazing, amazing. Yeah. But how was the experience? <laughs> well, there was an incident. There was an incident. 
Um, so basically, I'd bought tickets. I was going along with um, Jason and Aaron from Monster Children, and we're really excited. We're in LA. Um, I had a bit of a crush on Jason, so we're in the line at the bar getting a drink. And he's very funny, he's telling his stories. And usually I'm quite animated when I laugh, but this particular time I was extra animated. Uh, he told a joke and I threw my head back um, in laughter, <laughs> headbutting the guy who was standing in the line behind <laughs> me. And it was, he was very unimpressed. The guy was really, I'm like, I'm like just apologizing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, my head like hurting. Anyway, so we went in, went to watch the rest of the gig. It was great. We're right up the front. Nick Cave's doing his thing, like reaching out to the audience. And Jason sees this woman that he hasn't seen in like five years. She's like, Jason, how's it going? He's like, hey. He's like, oh, this is my friend Gemma. Introduces me. And then she goes, oh, this is my friend John. Pulls over this guy. And it's the guy that I headbutted. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing, but worked in my favour. And um, it also, this... This album, Pushing This Guy Away, became the makeup album for me and Jason. So we've been dating ever since. Okay. Wow. So did <laughs> so you a actually headbutt think... to romance. <laughs> Aggressively romantic. Yes, exactly. Headbutt all the competition out of the way. It's <laughs> the way she does it. Gemma O'Brien on Out of the Box. My name's Ash Berdebed and here you go. We've got We Know Who You Are by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. What the little bird sings We go down with the dew and the morning light The tree don't know what the little bird brings We go down with the dew in the morning And we breathe it in And we know who you are 
the song do you kind of picture yourself floating through the air (laughs) i do it's a bit like that it is but i think specifically for you it's a bit like that (laughs) so ducktales killing the vibe very very lovely and chill song and when were you introduced to this song well um i I was really into real estate um the band and when i was in utah last year i was doing an artist residency in uh, powder mountain so I was talking about real estate with the director of the artist residency program. And he's like, oh, have you heard DuckTales? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, that's the same guy. I'm like, cool. So he kind of introduced me to DuckTales. And then the whole week while I was there creating artwork, it was like my anthem for the week. And, um, you know, my go-to track was this particular one. Uh, and then on the very last day of the artist residency, there was this very surreal experience that happened, which was uh, I ended up going on a helicopter ride with the heir to the Walmart fortune. So, wait, what? You know, standard. So, an heir to the Walmart fortune, as in like the huge yes. supermarket chain. Yes. So, basically, the West Summit, which is the Powder Mountain, they're kind of building this creative community from scratch. And so, this guy had come over to check it out and he flew over in his helicopter, as you do, flew it himself, landed it himself. Um, on Powder Mountain. And then uh, he'd said that he would potentially take a few of us for like a little, you know, 10-minute joyride. But this wasn't a joyride. I basically got a text message on the last day of the artist residency and said, hey, Gemma, do you want to go for a beer run in the helicopter? And I'm like, what? And I had to finish this mural. I'm like, I cannot say no to that. So <laughs> off we went because obviously in Utah, you know, a lot of the – there's not much alcohol. Uh, and so the bottle shops, I think, were closed. So we flew from Utah to Idaho, stopped at this little tiny airport, got out, got in this airport courtesy car, drove to the liquor store, got some beer, drank it, and then flew back. And this song always reminds me of that. <laughs> it's so incongruous. I mean, like, you'd think that if you were riding around in a helicopter, it'd be some sort of gangster rap or something. <laughs> well, it was, you know, it was, it was like sunsets. It was beautiful scenery. So it's kind of the right vibe. It's delightful. And so you were, you were in the States on a couple of occasions. Yeah. And there, I mean, when you see... You know, lots of films in in LA and stuff like that. You, you know, their typefaces are prominent. Yeah, they can be quite garish, quite amazing, quite striking. Mm. So, what kind of what kind of things do you like about the typography and the, and the sign writing you see around? There? Well, often I go through LA to get anywhere in the states, and so I really like you know typography in LA. It's got this like whole Hollywood vibe. There's lots of you know neon signs, lots of really beautiful cursive and scripts and it's got a lot of character to it. So I'm often there taking pictures and um, you know there's a lot of inspiration. But the first time I went to LA I didn't get to go to the Hollywood sign and it really bugged me when I came back to Australia because I'm like this is like the biggest letters. They're so iconic. I love typography. I need to be as close to the letters as I possibly can get. Super nerd mode. Did you you get Anywhere well, so the, the next time, time I came back to LA, I'm like, I've got to go there. So 
actually was riding around on a push bike, which is ridiculous for LA as well. Um, and I, so I looked up on a map on like, how can I get to the Hollywood sign? And there was a few viewing points, but I wanted to get like right behind there. And so I looked up on my map and off I went on my push bike up the Hollywood Hills, like riding through these like winding roads and getting really exhausted. And I kind of got to the top and I could see where I needed to get to get to the sign. And there was this security guard like just standing there like, shit, I've come all this way. Like I can't turn around now. I've got to just give it a go. So I kind of retreated, thought of a plan. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go through like I'm meant to be here on a push bike. And so <laughs> off I That's went. Important business. And the security yeah. guard just like nodded like, yep, go through, man. And so I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm in. And as I started to get up closer and closer, this kind of minivan was there and there looked like a film crew. I'm like, okay, there was no members of the general public. And I kind of hear this like, hey, like yelling out from the van. I'm like, just keep on going. So I got up there, I'm taking pictures with the sign. And then this blonde woman comes over to me. She's like, damn girl, what are you doing up here with the bike? And she's chatting to me. She's really friend, overly American friendly. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Australia. just wanted to get pictures of the sign. She's like, okay, okay. She's like, do you know who that is over there? And like points at this guy. I'm like, no. She's like, that's DMX, the rapper. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and like, I knew, like, I kind of knew DMX, but I, and I knew the songs, but I didn't, you know, know his face. And so he comes over and he's like, what are you doing riding a bike up here? And like, starts talking to me. And she's like, you've got to get a picture. You've got to get a picture, you and DMX. <laughs> so she's taking a picture of me and him. And then she's like, we'll get in it too. And then she takes one of me and DMX and her and this other guy. And I'm like, this is just bizarre. And I didn't have any phone reception up there. So I rode down the hill posted it on social media and everyone's just going, what the hell, Gemma? Like, you're on at the Hollywood sign with DMX. And then later I found out that they were all up there filming Celebrity Rehab. <laughs> what? <laughs> and the blonde woman was the Hulk Hogan's ex-wife. <laughs> and they were just like... <laughs> just jump in a photo. So friendly. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was the craziest thing. The things that happen when you yeah. don't seek out typography. Well, yeah, luckily you didn't get there the first time because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been filming Celebrity <laughs> Rehab back then. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, let's just let's just do it then. Oh, God. DMX. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> We're going to play DMX. <laughs> oh. You cowards, then it's gonna be quick. I oh, you made the been to jail before. Suck my dick. You know, the mother catch you run with. Get done with. Done quick. You go and poke the dog with some bum. I they go to one, one. All over some dumb. Ain't that summer? Remind me of a strip club. Let me tell you, we come around like this. Gotta get my dicks up. And I don't know who you think you're talking to. But I'm not him. I expect to watch what you do. Or you gon' find yourself next to someone else. And we all thought you loved yourself. But that couldn't have been the issue. Or maybe they just saying that now because they miss you. Maybe they tried to diss you. That's why you laying on your back looking at the roof of the church. Preacher telling the truth and it hurts. Y'all gon' make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. Y'all gon' make me go all out. Up in here, up in here. Y'all gon' make me act a fool. Up in here, up in here. Y'all gon' make me lose my cool. Up in here, up in here. Out of the box on FBI. One time I was at the beach and... <laughs> We were looking at the stars and this girl was laying next to me and 
blanket that we had was had stars on it as well, so it looked like we were just floating in an abyss. Honestly, when I see your face, I just smile, I guess. <laughs> I mean, our cars came and the lights were on on the, so we could see what the waves looked like. I'll be waiting here on the second. I remember that first night, you were wearing a Power Ranger black t-shirt. So was I, a different color. So was Moy and his brother. Not as pure, so insecure. But times have changed. But really, we just looked about the stars for a couple hours. Turned off all the lights in the cars. The world was ours, it was yours. It was mine. The time flew by like it was prime time and I'm inside of life. You shouldn't be my wife, you should just be with me on this beautiful night. Maybe we can make things right and we can do it without any spite. Just for tonight. And we hope it doesn't end. So we'll drive back to our homes, chilling with our friends. Falling like Jabari Parker. They say I look like him. If we met, bet it would be awkward. Break out the suit of fit. Cause the flow cold, like a soak cold. I was smoking, smoking John Lennon. Where my yoke go? It's that call your grandma, you ain't ready yet. Verbal mania. I'ma show you the illest. Get my cousin to kill it. Had a flow, but you still it. I'm in the mood, so we ball out. Got the top down in the back, we could fall out. Fall out, nigga, we could fall out. Your girlfriend push a Prius, she giving me that genius. Mensa, we that Tony Danza. Wine on the rug, man, you know that shit expensive. I'm on that Willy Wonka, green so Blanca. Vape so good in the pot like lobster. Nigga, I'm a monster, fuck it, I'm a monster. Man, I got this beat, I'm going hand like a cop car. That's unless you see me pulling up on the boulevard. Turn them flashing lights, at least you know who you really are. We are becoming God, we are becoming God, we are becoming God. FBI 94.5, that was Childish Gambino, brought in by my guest today, Gemma O'Brien. And before that, a little bit of love from DMX, Party Up, which I have no regrets about playing on the radio. <laughs> I, I, was, I was scared. And, you know what? It was okay. It was all right. <laughs> okay. So, like, with Childish Gambino, why did you want to bring him and put him on the radio? Well, I guess, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the music that I listen to in my studio is, uh, you know, it's, like, in the category of big scary. It's, like, quite chilled and stuff that I can kind of work to without interruption. But I also ride my bike and run a lot. And so Childish Gambino is, like, the best for riding and running. And it's just a good vibe. Yeah, very pensive, very yep. kind of, yeah, amp you up. So 
when when you listen to things in the studio, do they have to be a certain type of song for it to work? Uh, it doesn't have to be, but like I like it to have kind of to be in the same world. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no, nothing kind of come in and break the flow. So does the kind of project you're working on change yeah. the kind of music you listen to? Um, def- I mean, often if it's late at night and it's kind of like doing brush calligraphy, it's kind of like it's almost therapeutic. So that has to kind of be reflected in the types of things that I listen to when I work as well. Okay. And what about what you're actually writing? Because you're working with words mm-hmm. so much. Does what you're writing change the style you write it in? Um not necessarily, but, you know, a lot a lot of the time song lyrics, you know, I'll be listening to a song and one particular line will kind of stick out to me and I'll either write that down or I often like write in chalk on the walls of my attic studio and kind of keep track of things. And it's either like I want to use that lyric in an artwork or something or I want to think of something that's like of the same sentiment that can be kind of translated from that starting point. Not all of your work gets done in the studio, obviously. I mean... Your your spots for creating are as weird as you know a, a huge sign on a wall in Surrey Hills to yep. you know being in the seat of a plane. Tell us about the spew bag challenge. Spew bag challenge. Uh-huh. Well, that basically was the craziest side project that just kind of came out of nowhere. I was flying to Wellington and saw the little spew bag, and was passing the time, and I thought I'll write a puke pun on it. So I wrote fully sick. Uh, posted it on Facebook and then from that point I kind of every time I flew I thought of a new puke pun and wrote it on the sick bag and left it in the seat for the next passenger so it you know there was queasy lover pukes of hazard 50 shades of spray um, <laughs> and you'd be surprised how versatile the vomit word is um. yeah, actually I, I, um, I, I've seen that there's now there's now a hashtag for it yes there is and there's some really great entries from people who aren't yourself. So this is actually caught on, which is yeah. great. So hashtag spew bag challenge if you're in the air anytime soon. Rasputin. Oh. And so it's just Rasputin yes. doing, doing the whole, like, the, the usual Rasputin pose, but just, like, vomiting his own name. <laughs> and uh, Yak Nicholson. Oh. One, one spew over the cockus. Yes, yes. In the, in, the, in the whole style. <laughs> very, very good stuff. So you work on various mediums yep. then. So what other kind of stuff have you, like surfaces have you used and materials? Well, you know, anything from chalk to painting, digital, but my secret project that I want to do uh-huh. is actually headstones or gravestones. That's Doing bleak. To, yeah, it's, well, you think it is, but I was actually going to do my honours project um, at uni based around it. I think it's really interesting because, you know, everybody, you know, it's a way of thinking about death when you're alive, but it's also as a designer, it's like something that you know you're going to need and you can really spend time and make it interesting and cool, like a cool headstone. So as an artist, would you work on your own headstone or is that kind of a no-no? I think that I think that you could, or you could consult. I could start a consultant consultancy <laughs> business. I will design your headstone for you. I mean, I'd like to learn like stone cutting. Obviously there's skills, but... Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? I think it could be cool. So that that's awesome. I mean, like, if I wanted to get you to design my headstone, yes. then there's something I could keep for my whole life. It'd be in the corner of my room. I'd be like, yes, life is short. One day I will die. There's my gravestone. And I could exactly. conceivably it's like a add memento things mori. to it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be a gradual progressive artwork throughout your life that actually, you know, has a lot of... More I mean, than just a bit of Times New Roman RIP kind of thing exactly. going on. Exactly. You can have custom lettering for Ash, your headstone. Oh, delightful. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I actually might invest in that. Fantastic. So, we have a track. 
from Future Islands to play. And you used to play the cello? Well, I do technically still play. I'm just not as good as I used to be. Seriously, could you get any cooler? Just stop rubbing it in. (laughs) Of all the things I wish I could play, the cello is, is all the way up the top. So... Your mum. Yeah, my mum's a cello teacher. Amazing. Cello and piano. So I I played all through my childhood till I was about 16 or 17. Queensland Youth Orchestra. (laughs) All classical music. Did you have to wear like the full on like big white outfits and everything? (laughs) I think, I don't know if we did have a uniform, maybe only for performances, but um, it wasn't too bad. Okay, so it wasn't like the Australian choir or anything like that. No. <laughs> Do you like? Okay, so why in the fall then by oh, Future okay. Islands? Oh, okay. So obviously most people would know Future Islands now, but I came across them about three or four years ago when a friend sent me a YouTube um, video of them playing live in Baltimore, and uh, it was you know pretty lo-fi, and there was a cellist who was playing. She had this big red flower in her hair, and I remember thinking that's cool. Like, and it kind of reinvigorated my interest in getting back to playing the cello. So. Uh, I actually then practiced that cello part of In the Fall and was recording it on my iPhone just for fun. And then a few months later, I heard that Future Islands were playing at Oxford Art Factory. And I didn't have a ticket. It was the last day I managed to get in there because they weren't super famous then. And at the end of the gig, there were a few people milling around and Sam, because he just kind of talks to everyone from Future Islands, was there. And I was a bit drunk and I was like, hey, I play the cello and here's me playing to In the Fall. And I like found this shitty iPhone recording and played it to him. And he was polite, but I knew Just he like, thought I was weird. Smoosh the phone up against his yeah. face. But then Listen he said me. that he used to date a cellist, so I'm not sure if it was the one who was in the video that I saw. But ah. anyway, so from then I've kind of loved Future Islands and this was the track where it all started. On FBI 94.5. Future Islands. My name's Ash Berdebez and my guest today is Gemma O'Brien.
Future Islands. If you are ever in a bad mood, go back and watch the Letterman performance of Seasons and your bad mood will be fixed, I think. And that track was In the Fall, brought in by Gemma O'Brien, letter lover, typographer, artist in general, illustrator, all of the things. Why is there not a title for someone like you? Surely there are more. Maybe there aren't. Well, I think that they all kind of merge together. There's a lot of, in the typography world, if you say typographer and you're a letterer, people get angry. So (laughs) I say artist and it just kind of encompasses everything. Good. Okay. So we were chatting before about your new idea of being a headstone, headstone inscriber, designing headstones, lettering them and all of those things. Now, would you like people to text in with (laughs) their desired font for their headstone? Yeah, perhaps. I think that could be cool. Okay, so if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, you're thinking about headstones, like usual, 0409 945 945 and just let us know what font you would like on your headstone. Go ahead and say what you'd like it to say if that's something that you've also thought about. But yeah, definitely we want your font. Do you reckon there's anyone out there who has like a Comic Sans? Oh, I really hope not. Yeah. Could have just been, you know, real budget job. You never know. Possibly. <laughs> as as a as someone who's into typography, what is it about Comic Sans that gets people so riled up? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, it's not its fault. Poor Comic Sans, <laughs> you know, everyone hates it. But, you know, it's just use. It's like availability. It was one of the default fonts on the word, you know, on the systems that come out. And so by way of being available and then it can be used from anything from convenience stores. I think I got a letter from my dentist once in Comic Sans. I'm like, come on, there's nothing funny about this. Um, so it's just from overuse, I think, that things over time get particular, you know, hatred towards it. And there was a campaign to... There was. Stephen Bannon from Melbourne yeah. had a campaign ban Comic Sans. And was he being legitimate about that? I think so. I think so. <laughs> He's a smart dude, but it was a cool campaign. <laughs> That's so strange. So, okay, when it comes to typography, you get, like, really excited. I'm talking about, like, uncool amounts of excited. I've seen you on, on the internet, on YouTube, <laughs> in videos, doing talks oh, and talking, no. about, talking about different typefaces and, and the way in which signs have been done. Yep. And you're over the moon. What actually excites you about typography? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's you know, you can look at it and be like, it's just fonts. It's just the, like letter forms. But for me, I think it's like instilled, like as a design form, you basically got these letters which have existed since the beginning of time, you know, a really long time. Um, and then all the ways that you can kind of embed culture and time and place are in just the way that the letter forms look. A slight little change, serifs can change it. And so it kind of... It's it's a lot deeper than it kind of seems and it'll forever change. You know, it's something that for the rest of my life will continue to adapt as humans and culture do. So it's really interesting. Wondrous. <laughs> so you've, you've actually been awarded a New York Type Directors Club Award of Typographic Excellence. Yes. <laughs> it's Is like that... the Oscars for the typography world. Yeah. Is it actually? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's it's one of the highest forms of you know, it, the people who choose the winners are in the type world, and it's it's quite prestigious. It was pretty awesome when I won those awards. So yeah, it's good to to kind of get recognised when you're working in your studio mm-hmm. all by yourself. Yeah. To see that you know it's getting out there and getting noticed. Speaking of you know working in your studio all by all by yourself, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people need to work from home for various reasons. What are your what are your tips? on working from home and like putting yourself in the zone when you're trying to do a piece of work? Well, 
I, I don't know. I think that, you know, it can be hard to be motivated. I have an agency, um, Jackie Winter Group, who are in uh, Melbourne, so they kind of kick me up the bum when I'm, got, like, slow on deadlines and that sort of thing. So that helps with motivation. But working from home, I mean, I work late at night because there's no distractions, there's no emails, there's no calls. It's kind of, like, in the dark, in the zone. So maybe try that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay up late, says Gemma. Um, also, we've got a track. Father John Misty the night Josh Tillman came to my house. He I'm never trying... came to my house. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Pity. But what, what about this guy? Well, I mean, I came across his Fear Fun album and I saw him play in Sydney and, you know, I, he had... I like the lyrics of his songs. There's this one lyric in the first album that's like, Oh, poor me, another drink. And I always wondered whether he did that intentionally, like as in, oh, poor me. It's like, pour me another drink, like soothe your problems with alcohol. And I didn't know if he did that on purpose. And then after hearing the latest album, just the way that he uses lyrics and words and satire, it's hilarious. And I love his stuff. And this is my favourite song from his new album. All right. And while you're listening to this track, text in on 0409 945 945. What font do you want your headstone to be in? And uh, we'll read it out on the radio if you get it in after this song. Just love the kind of woman who can walk over a man I mean like a goddamn marching band She says like Of which 
Cutting lyrics in the world. <laughs> he would be the worst boyfriend yeah, I ever. I think he'd probably be a bit of an asshole in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So that's The Night Josh Tillman Came to My House by Father John Misty off his most recent album, brought in by my guest today, Gemma O'Brien. It's been it's been a fun time on the show, and we had a couple of texts during that song in in response to our fun. our chat about headstones, yes. which was nice. Lobster font on my headstone, says this uh, texturer in a row who didn't give us a name. And it will say he clawed onto life as long as he could. <laughs> I think he should have said just be claws. <laughs> it's like a, that font is like a, it's like a bold cursive script. That yeah. It look quite playful. It's very, I think it's very like American diner, yes. that font, which yes. is, I, I think it would be quite whimsical yes. <laughs> on a gravestone. And we also got... Uh, <laughs> Another one saying, I'd like the Stussy S everyone used to draw in school. Oh, and yeah. bubble letters to say, oh, do we get the rest bubble of the Bubble letters. To say, slayed down in her prime at 99. Because I'll be at my best by then. Kimmy Reynolds, thank you for <laughs> texting into the station. I totally know the, the S you're talking about. <laughs> and then Jay wants his is win- in Windings. Oh, Windings, that's good. Pretty novel. Mystical. Yeah, very <laughs> mystical. Yeah, by then we'll have we'll have little uh, um, ways of, you know, interpreting Windings by holding our phone up to a gravestone yeah, so people can do that. Yeah, stupid QR codes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Can't do QR codes and cursive. <laughs> Not very tasteful. All right, we've got time for one more song in the show, and it's Patti Smith, which is Glorious, yes. and the song is Gloria. Yes, it is. Now, there's there's an experience. There is an experience. Another embarrassing story from my slew of tales. Um, so Cherry Bar. Yeah, Cherry Bar in mystical Melbourne. place. <laughs> just in a little in a little alleyway, just tucked yes. away there. Yep. Well, it was about three or four in the morning after a very long night. I was with the Volcom Women's Tour. We were there doing art shows and workshops and whatnot. We'd had a nice little party time. We thought we'd go there for a bit of a dance. Um, so four girls running to the bar, ready ready to sh- pull out all our best moves. And there's like the stage and it was filled with people. And so we got up on the stage and we're like dancing. And I love this song. So Gloria came over, Hattie Smith, and I was like, you know, pulling out all my best stops, shaking the hips. I'm like, yeah, I'm so <laughs> cool right now. And uh, then as it was kind of building and, you know, building up, GL, and then I just took a massive slip down I went onto the floor in front of everybody was watching. Oh, God. And then my friend pulled me up, kept on dancing like it didn't happen. So there we go. <laughs> Still a great song. <laughs> you're, you're a goose, and I've had an absolute blast having you on the show today. Thank you so Thanks much, Gemma O'Brien. <laughs> right, you're listening to FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Berdebez. Gemma O'Brien's been my guest today. Totally follow her on Instagram because she's always posting her works in progress and her completed artworks and whatnot and here you go it's Gloria by Patti Smith Beth Dalglish in with you next for lunch 
Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine Milton pot thieves wild cord on my sleeve thick heart stone my sins my own they belong to me me Say beware But I don't care The words are just rules and regulations to me Me Stay here.